welcome to the Coffee and Conversation podcast, the podcast that celebrates great people making amazing things happen. This podcast series provides a space for some fabulous people to share their stories and find a voice within our ever-changing world. It is a space that simply encourages sparky conversations, because there is most definitely always something to be learned from every interesting conversation, however unscripted. At its heart, this podcast is built on the belief that each of us experiences the world in our own unique way, meaning that we all have our own story to share. The Coffee and Conversation podcast aims to uncover a range of perhaps previously unheard stories in an informal, engaging way, so that we can all connect, explore, grow and learn from the great people behind these tales. Happy listening. On today's episode of the Coffee and Conversation podcast, I'm joined by Karen Lawson, an inspiring individual who is interested in dangerous ideas, small fires of change, and spaces for brave conversations. In a professional capacity, she is Collaborative Learning Leader Scottish Government, where she is part of the Collective Leadership for Scotland team. Karen is also heavily involved in the Firestarter and Creative Bravery Festivals, which is where our paths have crossed during 2020. Welcome to this next edition of the Coffee and Conversation podcast. Uh, Today, I am delighted to be joined by Karen Lawson. So good morning, Karen. Hi there, Jane. It's lovely to be here. I've got my coffee. Yeah, me too. We were just, yeah, just before we started um, recording, we were discussing how we probably couldn't survive if somebody took our coffee away. So as ever, Mm -hmm. I have a cup of coffee in my don't quit your daydream mug. (laughs) Um, And the sun is just peeking through sat in my, I'm not in my office today, I'm sat in my lounge um, and the sun is just peeping through. And I think, um, I think it's also peeping through in Edinburgh as well, which is where Karen is. Yeah, I'm in Leith um, in Edinburgh and it is peeping through. It's a very cold, crisp day, but the kind of day I, I really like and kind of day that I really like to be out walking, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, well, I'm so- sorry, you've got to talk to me for half an hour or so. <laughs> and, then, and then maybe you can go walking. No, it's a pleasure. Thanks. So, so Karen and I have, um, we've never met in person. We've only met virtually. Um, kind of our paths crossed uh, through a campfire, another creative bravery campfire and... Um, Firestarter Festival. Um, so that's where our. So who who knows where our conversation will go today? Um, but I'm sure it might touch on such things as mindfulness and noticing the world. Um, but as ever, I will invite you to start with a quote. Okay, so I think I'm probably not alone in finding it very difficult to to choose a quote. So uh, I've got two, <laughs> but by the same person. Oh, so um, they're both by Krishnamurti, uh, who was an Indian philosopher, kind of spiritual kind of leader. And his two quotes that I've got are um, freedom from the desire for an answer is essential to understanding of a problem. And, and this quotes around uh, him, him asking an audience that he was with about, do you want to know what my secret is? You see, I don't mind what happens. And so I think those two quotes um, kind of cover a lot of what what I do and what I kind of under underpinning beliefs about how we how we work with people and how we approach complex issues. Mm, really interesting. And I'm just reflecting back to the podcast from last week as well. Um, where I spoke to Lorna Brown and we talked about noticing things and there feels like a bit of a thread weaving through in terms of, and we also talked about play being doing things without purpose. So there kind of feels like a little, a little interesting thread to explore. Um, so what is it in particular? And, and I know we'll, we'll maybe explore a little bit of sort of 
you know, how you've got to this point and, and you know, the, the work that you do. Mm. What, what in particular sort of drew you to those quotes this morning? I think that, um, I think probably because there's so much going on at the moment and we're all seeking an answer and an immediate answer to things. And I think that what I really believe is that we need space to, um, to really kind of ask the right questions and to perhaps extend out our understanding of how things relate in society. And so that if you come up with very quick, short answers, generally that's not gonna solve a kind of deeper issue. So maybe not focusing immediately on having an answer to something really allows us an exploration of the kind of underpinning issues and the kind of structures of society and also a little bit about ourselves and our role in our immediacy of wanting to have, always wanting to have a quick answer, always wanting to know for certainty. So I suppose um, it's a, and I think a lot of the work that, as you know, through Creative Bravery and the campfires are about asking questions and sitting with the unknown. And I think it's something that as a society, perhaps we find quite difficult is to sit with not knowing. So. I would, I'm drawn to them because they're always about um, if we can enter into a conversation and into a situation without wanting to know the outcome from the, from the beginning and to have it fixed in our heads, then we open up something. We open up possibilities and we open up a space for imagination and a sense that what could be if we shut it down that by going into a meeting or going into a situation, we have an idea of what the outcome has to be. Uh, we've shut down so many channels and we, you know, we're in danger of just going for the solutions that we've always tried before. And that sense that, that these are that no longer work for us. Mm, and this, as you're just talking there, I'm kind of, there's lots of things sparking in my head, which is maybe a reflection of the campfires, but, but interestingly, that idea of, you know, we do, I think, as society, we're so pressured often to have an answer or create a solution or, or we're pressured to, you know, to do something, to take an action. And perhaps that sort of maybe over the last few months, maybe we've got a little bit of time back. I don't know. I don't know if that feels um, relevant, but almost to kind of we've had we've been, you know, and I said this actually last week when talking to Lorna, we've been forced almost to stop because we can't do the, necessarily do the things we've always done. And I wonder if that sort of maybe has provided a bit more um, space for us maybe to not feel so pressured into coming up with doing something or the answer or whether it be, you know, just us in daily life or whether it's in a work context or, or whatever it might be. Maybe, yeah, maybe we have had to think differently in a way. I've certainly, I think one of the things that uh, I've noticed and the, the colleagues I work with and probably Creative Bravery team as well, we'd, we'd all say is that people are, are now, it's that bit you said earlier about the invisible, that people are more aware of the spaces where we explore the questions and are, are saying to us, we really value these, these, these uh, spaces to pause to, to kind of connect with ourselves and to connect with other people, but also that we're not required to come up with a quick fix answer. So I think there's more awareness of, 
And it is probably that's given us the time. And, and also that we're connecting on Zoom with people we wouldn't have been connecting with. So, you know, for all its downside, there, there's a huge plus in that we are connecting with people um, across the world mm-hmm. quite often who are grappling with the same kind of issues and having a space to... And I think it's quite interesting when people talk, you know, talking shop as if it, it, it you know, downgrades <laughs> the sense that actually having really good spaces for people to reflect and to share and to then test out sort of ideas or the sparks of something is really vitally important. Mm. And um, it's, you know, as, as you're just talking there, you know, you and I, our paths may never have crossed had yeah. it been for mm-hmm. coronavirus. Um, yeah. Who knows? In a weird world, maybe we would have met somewhere. Um, yeah. But certainly, that's you know, that sort of that prompt and, you know, me looking for something and happening to stumble across this little sparky campfire. Um, it does it does just open your world to different things and different possibilities and, um, and new in new ways. And and I'm I'm really intrigued because I know we've talked previously and kind of your interest in that sort of noticing and space and mindfulness. Um so, you know, maybe it'd be good to share a little bit about your interest in sort of that whole um, whole world of, yeah, which which almost feels very in contrast sometimes to the world of mindfulness to the world of leadership and, you know, the sort of drive for us to perform and, and, and make things happen. Um, yeah, it's quite, it's quite interesting because I don't think people would really normally... <laughs> relate they're always a bit surprised when they find out I've got a master's in mindfulness um they kind of look at me in a sort of quizzical way and go really (laughs) and um I think it's uh, is I I know that I'm kind of renowned for getting stuff done you know and move at at kind of quite a speed so I think there's a little bit of a contrast there between what I do (laughs) And the interest, and partly the interest in mindfulness comes from that sense of being very focused and good at putting programs together. And, uh, you know, and I've got a background in, in social work and in education and creating programs and, you know, being able to put things together in a kind of experiential learning has always been at the heart of that, but in a kind of very organized way. And so I, I think that I probably come from a background where you can see a problem or a situation and you can work your way through it and you can kind of analyze it. You know, that's a kind of social work background, analyze what the issue is, and then you can really kind of solve it bit by bit. And, you know, and same with programming for, for social work education and indeed and some of the other programs that I've, I've developed over the years. But I think, I think the interesting thing for me is to look at the root of where did the interest in mindfulness come from? And I think there's a time it comes to you, maybe for a lot of people it comes earlier on, but perhaps midlife is, is a time where we realise that not all things can be solved through uh, plant carefully addressing each issue and solving it. And I guess it's a bit about when you can't do that, when when you meet situations where there isn't actually an answer. There, there may be a situation you, you know, a death or the loss of somebody or not being able to get what you want. And you kind of have to you have to live with that. You have to accept it. And then it's that noticing. And I suppose for me, it goes into that little bit about when you begin to notice that it's your own mind that it creates sometimes the issues. That actually a problem is a problem because you have 
constructed it into one. And so I, I think that, you know, the interest in mindfulness came, you know, started reading quite a lot of things around about, you know, the same time, which um, we're all talking about the same kind of thing about, of, you know, kind of radical acceptance of how things are, being able to see things as they are, and to not ju make a judgment about that, but to also recognize how we get very attached to a desired outcome. And this whole thing about planning our lives, and this is how it should be, this is how it could be, and this goal orientation, actually being able to stop and be able to kind of uh, sit quietly and really experience what, what is actually going on and what are the kind of preferences what are the kind of attachments I'm making to the kind of outcomes, desired outcomes, and what kind of judgments am I making about myself, others in that process? So, you know, over a kind of period of time, uh, and, and this is very me, actually, that, um, you know, other people might just go and get a couple of books about mindfulness. I, I would have to enroll in a master's program. <laughs> I can empathise with that. <laughs> so, um and it was about, and it was about how that could be used. And at the time I was in an education, so the the master's program from Aberdeen University, but it's taught Sami Ling, which is a Buddhist retreat center in the borders. So over you know sort of period of three years, going there, quite many sort of weekends, you know, sort of every couple of months, I think, for a weekend, and then to a retreat on um, Holy Island um, near Aran. So. That became kind of quite a big part of my life and I did you know write about it in terms of leadership but also in terms of creativity because these are my two kind of things that I'm, I'm most interested in is how if you can really sit and be your true self and that is good enough and I think there is something about that we are good enough as we are it's everything that we have kind of been socialized into being that gets in the way and the kind of assumptions we make and the, the judgments and that, that sense of a journey of just being being able to kind of sit um, as, you, as you are and recognize with a bit of humor where your mind goes to and the kind of stories. And I think Brenny Brown talks about that, the, the stories we tell ourselves. And I think that's just a really interesting thing is, you know, we can get caught up in a, a huge story about what's going to happen and what, what that person meant and what they didn't mean. And get kind of trapped in all sorts of things about a situation and recognize that that's all in our own heads and it, it's not true mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. quite, quite a moment when you realize that you know the power of your imagination <laughs> absolutely and as you're as you're talking this and I I'll probably get it slightly wrong but I think it's Anais Nin um there's a quote mm -hmm. that says we don't see things as they are we see things as we are yeah and that's that that quote comes to mind yeah. as you're talking in a yeah. sense of you know, acknowledging that, you know, we do put, we do interpret things that we see. And it's, you know, we almost, we try and think about what other people's intent was. And we're, like you say, we put our own, our own slant on things. And yeah. what seems to have come through a couple, you know, right from the beginning of our conversation is this, you know, it's, it's the time or this to pause and just, you know, really look at what's going on and noticing what's going on, whether that's internally or externally or 
how we feel or those sorts of things. But that feels like whether we call it mindfulness or self-awareness or emotional intelligence, depending on which environment we're in, that, that feels like quite a big thread throughout this. Yes, it is. I mean, I think that, uh, and I, I think, I mean, a lot of people do, and I mean, I try to do sort of meditation practice every day, but I do also try to go for a walk and to be in the moment with that and to to provide spaces to be able to to kind of um just let things filter a little bit sit with with things i think we're too quick to try and get rid of emotions that we don't really like so i think it's a bit like you know the roomy and the guest house poem i think is really good in terms of that of you know accepting everything in but allowing space for that. And I, I think that, you know, I think people are very quick to fill the space in their lives. And, and I think often people say, I don't have time. And you look at how they fill their lives. And some of it's just, you know, watching endless Netflix or, you know, not, not stuff that I don't do, I have to say, but <laughs> I think there's also an awareness. What am I filling? And, and, and we see it a lot. I mean, a lot of the work that I do is about understanding group process and, and dynamics. And if you, you know, the inability for people to sit with silence for any length of time, because obviously stuff comes up. And so I, I suppose I'm really interested, uh, and particularly in leadership, about how can we sit with the, the uncomfortable, the learning edge, as we kind of call it. Where, where's the learning edge in this? And how can I sit there and notice without jumping in? And it is not, I think that's where the mindfulness practice is really important. It's like, how can I see what's happening and recognize it without jumping in and becoming part of it? And I think that's a huge part of leadership. Absolutely. And I really, you know, as you're as you're talking, I'm sort of thinking about my own views and perspective on leadership. And I really like um like the idea of authentic leadership and you know, my interpretation of it, everyday leadership, but at, at its heart within those things is knowing the self uh, yeah. and it feels like often you know often I suppose I've been in conversations and if you maybe talk about mindful, mindfulness oh, it's that airy fairy thing you know meditation yeah. it's kind of almost dismissed as a you know a hippie hippie thing that's not really relevant against like the structures and the functions of leadership being this model and this is how we do it and I think what I'm hearing you talk about which kind of I suppose echoes with some of my views is it's almost putting the humanness back in leadership so you know first and foremost all of us are people we're human beings and actually whether it's a system or an organization or a culture or a structure at its heart there are people and relationships so kind of I suppose my question is why wouldn't we focus on those sorts of things and if we can get back to that sense of um, understanding how firstly how we tick but also then how we you know create relationships and create something with others then that feels like a good place to start, whether it's us as humans in society or leadership within an organisation or a culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would agree. I, I think that uh, one of the things that gets in the way is um, the way we assess uh, competence and uh, performance in organisations, and uh, it can be very individualised. So it's about, you know, people trying to prove that they have achieved some higher kind of goals and stuff and not really under, not really 
I mean, I, I think that, sorry, um, I think that it does, it does kind of push individual behaviours and a sense of heroic leadership and a sense of worth, that that's what's valued within an organisation. And I think that like, kind of that second quote of Krishnamurti is, is not minding what happens. If you're completely fixed on an outcome, and you know you go into any kind of leadership thing by I want this and I need this and I'm going to have this and and I'll just motivate people by doing this and that sense that you can somehow motivate people by some sort of external um, or an extrinsic motivation is to miss the point that actually you know it, it is about human relations and it's about having an understanding of what's really important and being able to go in and listen. I think too many leaders think it's about talking. And I think it's about really listening and understanding what is the connection to this work for each person, if we can find that. But it's also, for me, a bit about letting go of ego. So, you know, I think that it, that kind of sense of not minding what happens has been absolutely crucial in developing things that are a little more uncertain, like both Firestart Festival, the Festival of Dangerous Ideas and Creative Bravery, were all, un all about uncertainty, about creating spaces for the unknown, for inviting people to come in. But you have to manage a high level of uncertainty and risk. And so I think that in that, that so for me, that, that's the leadership bit, is how do you manage all of that and not closed down by, we need so many people to attend. We need people to have this experience. How are we going to know? And I get asked this question all the time. How do we know that it's been worthwhile? It's been successful. And so there's a bit about, can I approach each new thing and there with a, an open attitude and an open mind of, if we set the conditions and we are hosting and we are doing that in a, a warm and welcoming way can we can we let go of what we think the outcome might be and 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 really provide the space for people themselves to flourish and I think in that there's there's also the bit about I'm really not that important and I don't mean that in terms of that we're all important but really we're not mm -hmm. <laughs> so there's a, there's a bit about how can you know how can I, I don't need to be at the forefront of all of those things. I need to be there to support them and to provide that space and to nurture where possible, you know, the, those flames. Mm -hmm. And that's really how I would see in terms of any leadership role is to do that. And it's not about me. Mm. And, yeah. And I think as you just reintroduced that quote about not minding what happens, I think that, that's really something that's going to stick in my mind from this conversation in terms of, you know, I'm just thinking about maybe some of the sessions that perhaps I facilitate or, you know, I think about things where, right, what are the, the first, the first question always is what are the learning outcomes? And almost like it's making me think, well, actually I can't determine what anybody else learns. What they learn is up to them. What all I can do is provide that space, that insight, but that almost shifts, that does shift a mindset in terms of, you know, seeing, am I, do I go in as a, whether it's an educator or facilitator, am I here to impart my knowledge and share it with people? Or am I here knowing kind of the sorts of things we're going to explore today, 
and knowing the sort of things that it would be great to achieve collectively, but actually where you take this, where each individual takes this is up to them and not minding what happens has a real, it kind of feels quite um, challenging in a way because almost you're sort of, you know, there's something about power and trust and seeing that everybody is of an equal and you trust individuals to come and mm. find what they need and what feels relevant for them. So, yeah, I think that quote's really quite um, powerful, actually, in a lot of ways. It's a strange one because on, on Facebook, it's such a small quote. Mm. Um, but actually, and, and it doesn't mean you don't care about some of the big issues. I, I think that's where people can quite often can misinterpret it, but it means about it's really about yourself and letting go. And I think, I mean, I, I've had kind of quite a few stressful times when, the, you know, sort of Nicholas Sturgeon, first minister, came to open Firestarter Festival and we, we were in Calvin Grove and we were running it as a, a silent disco. You know, there was a sense of anxiety about how on earth was this going to all play out? What would, you know, sort of what would happen with the tech work, with this work, with that work? And there's a point where you do prepare and then you just have to let go. And you think, well, am I minding? What's, you know, am I minding? Because actually I'm going to look bad. And does that actually matter? Who cares about me? Really, no one <laughs> in terms of it. Um, it's not about me. And once you let that go and you think, I'm trying to create a kind of um, experience for people to help them think about how we use public space differently to approach issues in a different way, if they get some experience of something, I can't actually predict what that will be. And if I try to, and I try to make it something, it will kill the creativity in it. Mm. So it's a, it's, a, it's a really, I don't think it's easy. I, th I think it's really tricky to not mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm, as you're talking, I'm reminded of a session I went to at the Creative Bravery Festival. I think it was Andrea Trenger, but it was winging it mm. and this idea of and and something that she said really it's that there's a difference between having a plan and being planned yeah and you know having a plan almost and it's made me think about a lot of the you know some of the experience and work that I've you know, done within coaching and coach education almost you know we encourage you know new inexperienced coaches to have a session plan and I'm thinking you know teaching you know there's a learning plan what's the lesson plan and almost you know, we're creating, are we creating a culture right from the start that says you need a plan? Or when you're an inexperienced, does having a plan give you that confidence? But equally, I'm kind of thinking in my head now, well, what I do know is the more experienced facilitators kind of maybe will have a plan, but they have the confidence and the expertise and the skill to go with the room and allow yeah. those things to happen. What if we yeah. understood that a little bit more and took some of those, you know, skills to support, educate, teach, whatever the word is, slightly differently. Those, you know, those inexperienced coaches who, teachers who maybe build on that lesson plan, or is that the foundation? Do you need to have that, you know, do you need as you're learning to have something to give you, to give you that confidence going, right, for 10 minutes I do this, then the next 10 minutes I do that. I don't know. It's. It, I think it, it really causes me some kind of questions in my mind over, you know, what do we do? How do we take things forward? I definitely think the plan, and I always have a plan, so I'm not, you know, I, I think there's always a plan, but I think that 
the we have a plan to help to absolutely make us feel more confident and it's the ability to sit with what is a, a loose plan of and I and I get you know when if you're teaching and you you need to get a certain element over then there, there absolutely you know there may well be a bit that you really do need to do that but I think um the best com, you know the best way is, is to have that to be able to go with whatever happens and as 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 great teachers know that you're able to bring that back at the end to illustrate the point you you were kind of making in the first place probably but it's um it's it's ability to not have to be the star all the time it's 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 to really hold that space for people to shine and to be there and to be present and to be heard and you can't do that if you're the one that's always talking mm-hmm. and so i i think the bit about there's, there's two things, I suppose, in that, that a, I think, you know, leadership is is really about, and I, I would, you know, and I, I think we have the same thing about that. For me, that's everybody who's teaching. It's everybody who's in a space where they're trying to kind of hold some, you know, lead in some way. But it, it's really about how do you create the space for people to to kind of really dig a bit deeper and to take a risk. And sometimes that's not by stepping in all the time but enabling uh, conditions where people feel enough trust in the process Mm. that they're not just left floundering, but that you're, you're kind of really, you're really interested in them and have a belief that they have something worthwhile to say. And I I suppose that's, that's what I try to, to bring into every situation is that, that, that people there have got really interesting things to say because we, innately we do mm. <laughs> and we're innately creative but it's the conditions that we we provide for people that allow that to, to somehow flourish and I, I suppose that's what I've um uh, that's really the, the kind of thread throughout my work as as a, it wasn't a phone call inter- interruption to this one my husband's just walked in to collect his books that are on there so we'll probably have some footsteps recording but hey that's real life of working at home isn't it that's what's emerging from it that's great. <laughs> and and you know i'm just as you're talk- i'm th- i'm sort of thinking and reflecting on my experiences with the you know around the creative bravery campfires and you know looking forward to the firestarter festival you know it is i think there's some really interesting things around for you know, for me, learning. Okay, well, what what has it been about those online? Because it has all been online in the last six months or so. But equally, there's been a sense that you know people have. So we've developed connections. People have turned up. There's been you know very emergent themes that look. Here's a bit of an idea. Let's see where it goes. Um, and there's been real value in kind of listening to other people's experiences and then just seeing where people have taken it and you know just kind of you know what if that had just been down to me I would have never even thought of that um and it sort of feels like it opens up it open if if you're you know I suppose if I look and think well I've turned up and listened and heard which heard things which feel like they've really opened my mind and my world to other possibilities um and you know given me and not necessarily answers but even posed questions that I would have never have thought to explore but by then going off on that little tangent and exploring that, suddenly your world becomes, it feels like your world becomes a bit bigger. Yeah. I, I think that, um, so Creative Bravery, 
really um, embodies what, what's important about Firestarter as well. And it's about those spaces, but they're also about their, I would say they're really about action inquiry. Um, and that sense of the inquiry is the action. So the asking of questions is the action. And then there's the action to test out a sense that now, uh, also in the Creative Bravery team, that there are people who come from a design background and, and they would see it through a design lens. I don't think it matters. I think what, what's happened is you get a connection of people who have that inquiry at the heart of what they do, but see that as a, so the spaces are the action. But also that we we really I what we try to do is, is enable people to you know with a, a light a lightness of well go ahead and see see what happens with a curiosity, not with could you produce a you know sort of um, project initiation document the well known PID uh, before we even start and you know how, what's your outcomes going to be and you know and say well just just kind of get see what happens you know get a group of people together take it take it further. Until maybe down the line, you do need that. But I think so many people hesitate at that point of, oh, I'm inspired. Um, I, I don't know what to do next. And I, I suppose that's what the campfires try to do is provide that bridge between the kind of I'm inspired by what someone else is doing to what what where am I in that? And that, that sense of empowerment. And I think that runs through the work is a sense that we all have the capacity to do something. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, and it's sometimes about having the right people or enough of the right people to start. And so that you're not doing it in isolation. So collaboration is the other key ingredient in that is we don't really, you know, that's the whole notion of the, the campfires are their collaborative and hopefully creative spaces uh, to ask questions and to go deeper with something. And then to think about, well, who else might be interested in this? And just bit by bit, you're building a, a movement. Mm. And I think that's, you know, for, for me as well, the word, word creative has, you know, really, creativity has always been one of my guiding principles, you know, that, mm. that I talk about. And, you know, I think for me, it's, you know, it's things like not falling in love. There's a great quote, Thomas Weddles Weddlesburg says, we tend to fall in love with the solution before we really understand the problem. And that for me has kind of been always been at the heart of my sort of idea of creativity. But really, you know, I think a lot of the time, if we use the word creative or creativity, there's a, a bit of a closed mindset on what that means, yeah. what is art and what those sorts of things. Um, but actually, you know, what you talked about, you know, throughout this, this conversation, our previous conversations, you know, it's about not being closed to possibilities and mm -hmm. how could we see this differently? And, you know, let's just pause for a minute. You know, maybe that mindfulness sort of thread that's weaving through in terms of pausing and not feeling forced to come up with the solution from our own perspective, but being able to just put our heads up and notice. And um, I think that's what I've taken from a lot of the conversations with you know, the people from a design background is that, you know, ability to look at something and see endless possibilities or explore those possibilities before coming to a conclusion. Um, so that, yeah, that idea of what is creative, what really is creativity? Yeah. And I suppose the, just as you were saying that, what, what's come to mind is about the mindfulness bit is being able to um, notice but it's notice how we get stuck in a particular frame that we see things in. And so I think all of these festivals are, and, and kind of movements are about helping us to see diverse perspectives. 
so that you begin to see that your own habits and conditioning that in some ways get in the way of the creativity so that if we only ever see an issue as this kind of issue and I think that's one of the things that we, we try to do more so in Five Star than Create Braver is bring people from many different sectors backgrounds together so it's about that by being that by meeting people who are interested in the same issue or approach or whatever it is from different angles you begin to then get a sense of the different perspectives and that is a clue into why it's such why something's an issue like educational attainment isn't really just an education issue it's an issue of class um, health, all sorts of things lead to that. How we how we've used uh, segregated schooling, all sorts of issues that are in there in that mix. But if you only come in from one angle, you will only ever be able to approach that issue from that particular angle. So, mm-hmm. actually, widening out and having, I think, in creative bravery, having so many people from creative industries or creative thinkers that weren't actually anything to do with education was amazing because they brought in a different, fresh perspective. And then it was really important to have people who were steeped in understanding of education and educational theory, philosophy. So creating those spaces for people to come together, just out of curiosity, uh, I think is, is very powerful. But I think it's a lot about how do then do you sit with that and think, what am I learning about myself and my own conditions, my habits of thinking, my habits of being? that I can perhaps see. And I think it's it's a bit about, you know, for me, my, the strength of mindfulness is, is always about there's nothing wrong with you. You don't have to change. You just have to see it. Um, the seeing is the doing, as Krishnamurti, another quote, would say. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I think, I think this is quite crucial for me because I think so many times people... And things where they, they then go on a course to change how they are. And I'm really, I feel quite passionate about that, that actually there's nothing wrong with us. We just need to need to see ourselves. And by doing that, the transformation comes almost from, from seeing this is the habit I get into. And perhaps there's a choice point to my thinking and, and the, the story that I then get involved in. And if I can see that for myself, I can begin to loosen that. And I suppose that's for me, that's just an everyday, where is it I jump to? And uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, as we're just sort of drawing to the end of the, the, you know, I'm now thinking, you know, as you you said earlier, teachers, they go off on on a tangent, but then great teachers have the ability to come back. And now I'm thinking, right, how can I just tie this up and bring it back to the <laughs> having? And 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 I suppose um, I'll come to you in a minute to maybe just invite you to any any final reflections. Um, I suppose for me, a couple of things in my mind as I think about your freedom, the words, you know, freedom from that first quote, and and this idea of not really minding. I can't help you know be reminded of um, you know as a researcher. Um, we are, you know, we have to, we, we talk about epistemology and ontology and how we see the world and, and somebody that, you know, I struggled for a long time with those words and working out what they may, meant. And a, um, a, a golf coach, um, Alistair Spink, if you're listening, this is your words, um, it, it stood up at a conference and said, you know, I didn't understand, but of course, actually it came to me, how I see the world affects everything I do. It affects how I think, it affects how I coach. 
And that really, you know, that helped me really grasp this idea of it's, you know, to start with, we need to acknowledge the position we're coming from and how we see things, how we see the world, because as Anais Nin said, you know, we don't see the world as, as it is, it's as we are. Um, and you know, neuroscientists would have a way of describing that. Mindfulness practitioners would have another way of describing that. Researchers, academics. Um, but ultimately, it comes back to, do I know who I am and how I see the world? Because if I can acknowledge that, then at least I can maybe start to understand a little bit more and make active choices for me on what I do or don't change. Or actually, that actually I'm okay with that. And as long as I can acknowledge that and also appreciate that other people will have a different view and we can have a conversation about it, then that feels like quite an exciting place to be. So there we go. That's my maybe reflections. Um, but in terms of, you know, maybe, you know, if there are anything you'd like to leave us with in terms of your, because I'm conscious we could probably carry this conversation on for another couple of hours at least <laughs> and, and sort the world out. No, uh, no, it's been great, Gina. And I, I think it is... Um... Yeah, I think what you said there is really good, actually. I, I think uh, I wouldn't have much to add to that. It's about maybe in this time of polarisation and a tendency to go there, it's really good to remember everybody's got a worldview. And if we could just listen, even though it, you know, and listen with a view to to actually understanding, not a kind of sense of waiting just then to get your bit in, but can I really understand, can I, can I listen with an open heart and an open mind um, to why this, this issue matters to that person? Not whether they're right and wrong on the issue, it's about what does this mean for this person? And what, does that, what are the questions that lie beneath that? Because um, I think we, we, we operate too, too much on the surface, but that's probably another discussion topic how, how do you get below the surface and understand what it means to someone rather than whether they're right or wrong absolutely I love that listen with an open heart so that what I will take away is listen with an open heart and to enter in a situation not minding what happens I think those are the two things that I'm going to take away from this um, so thank you very much for talking with me thank you you have been listening to the Coffee and Conversation podcast, the podcast that celebrates great people making amazing things happen. My thanks again to my guest, Karen Lawson, and also to you for listening. If you're interested in learning more about the Firestarter Festival and coming along to a campfire, you can find out more at www.firestarterfestival.com. Until the next time, take care.